According to childrensnational.org, about 600,000 people in the United States have been diagnosed with a craniofacial disorder. A craniofacial disorder is a broad term that describes malformations of the face and skull that may result from birth defect, disease, or trauma. When I was in college, I was an RA, which means that I looked out for the younger students and pretty much just got to like hang out and kind of act like I was cool when I really wasn't that cool. <laughs> but one of my freshman girls, her name was Rashira, and she has a craniofacial disorder. She was really cool, and we always had a lot of fun, and we were all hanging out. And I never really got to talk to her in depth about her condition, and it wasn't that I didn't want to talk about it, but honestly, when you get to know Rashira and her personality and when you're hanging out, you really don't always think to ask some of the deeper, heavier questions. So we sat down a couple of days ago and finally got to talk, and wow, I'm so inspired. A lot of us may be familiar with a craniofacial disorder after seeing the movie Wonder and seeing how that movie has really inspired the nation. I will also give you guys a heads up that we had a little bit of technical difficulties in this interview, but Rashira is incredible, and I know you'll love her story. So meet Rashira. Rashira, how's it going, girl? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, girl. It's so good to talk to you. It's been a long time since we used to see each other like every day. (laughs) We're all like, I feel like we're all old and stuff now. How old are you these days? I'm 26. My friends like to say I'm 30, but I'm still 26. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I feel like just yesterday you were a freshman and I'm seeing you grow up. (laughs) No, that's so exciting. Oh man, well, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you today and to get to hear your story. You know, I've known you for a long time and you know, we have, I've, I've never really gotten to hear um, a ton of your story. I've, I've gotten to read your blog and I've been so inspired by that. But, um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited because I know that your story will definitely reach a lot of people. And um, I just wanted to jump right in because I don't think a lot of people have heard of Golden Heart Syndrome. Um, so can you just explain a little bit of what that is? Sure, definitely. Um, so Golden Heart Syndrome is basically what we like to call um, in the medical field as a craniofacial condition. And basically, craniofacial is a really fancy word that has to do with um, any type of condition, um, anomaly, or abnormality that has to do with your head and your face. And so with my particular syndrome, Golden Heart, um, it basically um, describes the different anomalies in my face. Like, uh, I was born without a right ear and a right jawbone. So when most people look at me, um, they notice that my face is, you know, kind of sensitive, asymmetrical, um, crooked, as you would say. Um, and so, yeah, that's really what Golden Heart is. Um, it comes with different other um, conditions. Like, I've, I had some heart problems when I was a baby, but a lot of those have been fixed through reconstructive surgery. Um, so, nothing really daunting as of the moment. Yeah. And so, you were diagnosed um, when you were born. Um you know, did, is there anything, like, when, when your mom was pregnant, like, is there any way for doctors to know that you'll have this condition, or, or did they not know until you were born? Well, actually, it's really an interesting story. Um, I wasn't born, or when I was born, um, there were so many different things wrong with me, because I was born severely premature. Um, I was, well, I was diagnosed with Golden Heart Syndrome a lot later, probably, like, when I was around two or three years old. Um, and really because it came at a later date because it was so unknown. Um, Golden Heart Syndrome is what others in the medical community would consider um, a rare disease. So there's not a lot of uh, research 
on it. So when I was born, like in 1991, if you can imagine, there really wasn't a lot of research on the condition that I had. I was the, um, I was the seventh reported case in the United States of a child being born with this syndrome. And so, you know, over the years, wow. um, there's been a lot of more research as far as with other kids who have uh, Golden Heart Syndrome, but it's not something that doctors are able to tell what exactly causes it, and it's not something that they're able to see, like, you know, on a sonogram, like, oh, okay, like, Down syndrome, you know, um, I believe, like, when a woman gets to a certain period in gestation, um, you can tell if the baby has Down syndrome. Actually, Golden Heart is one of them things that they're still trying to figure out and place, you know, is this a genetic mutation or is this like a natural occurrence thing? Um, so science is still trying to catch up. <laughs> I mean, you spent a lot of your life in the hospital and with doctors and like you said, with science really trying to keep up. Um, and you've had, like, I feel like I keep, I feel like there's no way that I'm getting this number right, but I also like feel like I know that you're smart and you're, <laughs> you know how to answer questions. But you've had 101 surgeries? Yeah. It's actually one or two because I had an operation last um, year that was kind of unexpected. But, yes, 101. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Like, literally, like, I just, <laughs> uh, I can't even, I mean, I can't even process that. I mean, I think I remember, you know, you talking about, like, having had a lot of surgeries, like, when, you know, when we were in, in school together. But, um, but it's, I think it's so crazy how, you know, you and I both have these, like, kind of really random medical stories and we've we really never even had too deep of a conversation about it in school um but I'm still I'm still sitting here like that's that is insane I mean just the fact that you are such a bubbly and confident and and strong person and and you've gone through so much like do you remember any of these surgeries were you like really little when most of them happened or has it been your whole life um maybe it's been uh throughout the course of my whole life I think my last surgery before 2017 was when I was 17 years old, and that was in 2008. Um, some of them I do remember, and then some of them I don't. Um, I know a lot of the more invasive ones happened when I was, you know, a baby. Um, and those were more um, life-threatening type of operations. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's not really the first thing that I tell people when I meet them, because it kind of freaks them out a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, I, I still have to process it a lot. You know, I I realize as I've gotten older and not only become a child with a chronic health condition, but an adult with a chronic health condition, you start to um you start to ask questions and you start to kind of understand more of your own medical needs, your own medical issues as to when you're a child. I'm sure you can relate that you know it's something that your parents just like okay this is what you have. And it's just like, okay, I just kind of went on with my life. But now that I'm an adult, um, it does, it, you learn to process it, you know, like, oh, okay, I went through this. Um, this is who I am. This is my experience. And I kind of grow and process it, you know, as I get older. That's, that's amazing, though. Just, I mean, your strength is just, it's just, it's, it's really incredible, Shira. You're really awesome. Um, how do you, how do you prepare for surgery? Because I know, like you said, you had um, another surgery last mm -hmm. year. Um, how do you prepare for that? I mean, is it a lot of mental prep and do you kind of know if you have to get any more or does do things just kind of come up randomly and then you're like, okay, I got to get this taken care of? I think definitely for me, um, when I had my surgery last year, it was, like I said, it was unexpected and that was the first surgery I had in over nine years. 
And so for me, it's a lot, it's really a mental thing. Um, and I always say it's funny, I always tell my mom um, that whenever I go in and have surgery, you know, a lot of the nurses, when they read my records, they're like, you know, oh my God. And so they kind of joke around, they're like, you know, when you get anesthesia, you won't remember anything and blah, 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 because it'll be so routine. And I always kind of laugh. I'm just like, I have a pretty strong mind because I've been through this so many times. I could probably tell you that that's not going to happen. I'm not like one of those patients who like goes in there and forgets everything. But um, it is definitely a lot of mental um, preparation to not only go into the operating room, but also for the recovery time. And um, having surgery is not one of them things that gets easier over time because every surgery is different. Every medical experience is different. So I know for me, um, it's really through prayer. I know prayer and praying a lot. Um, it's what really keeps me in a place of peace and solitude. Um, like I said, because each experience is different. And it, it's still a scary experience because you're still doing something that, um, you know, that you could possibly lose your life in or, you know, take that risk. Yeah. And so um, for me, it's just really having um, a strong support system around you, people who are, you know, keeping your mind um, in, a, in a place of positivity and peace. And not really having you think more of the fear of surgery, but more so of the outcome. Like, you know, even though you're going to have to go through this and it might be scary or, you know, a little nerve-wracking, the outcome is so you can be better, you can be healthier. Um, I don't anticipate any surgery, but then again, um, sometimes my syndrome, um, the condition I have, it can be a little unpredictable. And so I do know in the back of my mind that in a case that I do have to have surgery, you know, that I'm prepared, I know what's to come as far as the best place that I can be mentally. And then, you know, I just kind of take it from there, you know, just, you know, trust that, you know, I'm in God's hands and that everything's going to be okay. You're, you're incredible, Rashira. I don't, I don't know how you do it, girl, but you do for sure. And, and on top of that, too, because you live in Georgia and your surgery last year was all the way in California. Yeah. So, like, that's even, like, even more, like, on top of that, it's, like, oh, you have to, like, go to a new place. Like, did you have, like, family out here that you were able to stay with and everything? Yeah, I did. So, all my family, they live in California. I'm happy. I'm the only one, excuse me, the only one out here in Georgia. Um, after I graduated college, I decided to stay because I loved it so much in Atlanta. Um, but, yeah, that, that was definitely, um, it was different for me um, to having to go back to that place. Luckily, you know, I had my family there. But um, I had to go to California because, unfortunately, in some states, they don't have, they're not as progressive as states like California or New York, where they're more um, progressive in their medical terminology and their texture. And so um, that was definitely a, um, a very interesting experience. But I kind of found solitude in it because I was like, at the end of the day, even if I have to kind of leave from a place that I call home, I'd rather be in the hands of the greatest doctors in the world than being in the hands of a doctor who may not exactly know what they're doing. So that kind of left me with, a, you know, a sense of solitude. So, okay, here's a here's a quote of yours that I like. I want, I need you to like put it on a t-shirt or something. Um, <laughs> and it, you said, the day I decided to accept my difference was the hardest yet most liberating, liberating experience I've ever had to go through. Yeah. I love that so much. Where does, I mean, I know that it is so self, it is kind of self-explanatory, but at the same time, it's just, 
it's so beautifully complex. What what was that day like? And I'm, I'm sure it could have been a course of days or, or something, but what was that moment like of accepting accepting your difference and experiencing that freedom? I really, like, I would describe it like, like you said, not in a particular day, but just, um, I just came to a moment in my life where I was just tired of hiding from who I truly was. Um, you know, we live in a society where they push the standards of perfection so much. And so, you know, we have examples like um, Kim Kardashian, Beyonce, or different, you know, young women that we see doing great things, have this perception of beauty. And then you have someone like me who doesn't look anything like they look like. And so for me, it was me constantly comparing myself, constantly feeling insecure, constantly feeling like I wasn't measuring up to the standard of beauty that society had told me that in order to be pretty or in order to be beautiful, I had to look like A, B, C, or D. And so the day I decided to really embrace my different, when I came to that moment in my life, I was just like, you know what? I don't want to live my whole life hiding from this world that I knew that I was called to impact. And so I either had to get over my insecurity and decide that I'm either going to learn to live with it and be happy with it, or I was just going to live my life just being like a turtle in a shell. And so that's yeah. a hard decision because no one likes being different. Being different is not easy. <laughs> it's not something that I, I believe if people chose to, it's not something that people will first choose to stick out because with being different, it comes with, you know, pressures in society. And for me, bullying or teasing or being discriminated against. It comes with all these different things. But on the flip side of it, it comes with the most beautiful, liberating things because it's like I'm no longer living my life to what other people say or how yeah. they but I'm living my life to how I know how God sees me and how I view myself. And I think when you get to that place in your heart and your mind that you know that you're just content and just being you, it, it really sets you free from everyone's opinion of what they think you should be and what they think you should not be. And it really just sets you on your own path and just gives you that inner confidence that no matter what, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable with my difference and that's okay. Oh, I love that so much. And like, you're right. That is one of the hardest yet most liberating experiences. And I just, I love hearing, I just love hearing that you've reached that point and that you, but also that you're so like open about wanting to be that for other people too, like wanting to help other people and encourage them and everything. Most definitely because, um, and just to add on a little bit, not only being that for myself, but for other people, because I always think of it as, I know I was once that little girl that felt insecure. I didn't know where I belonged. And so I like to think, you know, there's so many other little girls out there, so many other little boys out there who just want to feel like it's okay just to be who they are. And if I could just be that example for them and let them know that, hey, you know, you know, dance to the beat of your own drum. And we talked a little bit earlier um, just about how the movie Wonder has possibly done that for a lot of people as well. Yeah. Um, what was that like going to go see that film? Or even when you first found out that that movie was going to be a thing, how did you feel about that? And I read the book Wonder the summer of 2016, I believe. And it was like one of them books where I just couldn't put it down because it was the first time that I ever saw a character in literature that I could totally relate to. And I was, like, reading the chapters, like, bawling my eyes out because I was just like, oh, my gosh, this little boy understands. Like, even though he's a fictional character, 
I, I believe the, uh, the author, um, R.J. Palacio, I think he did an excellent job in portraying the life and the mind of a child with a facial difference. And so even taking it like a notch further, seeing actually someone like that on screen, it was just like, I'm actually physically seeing someone on screen who represents me. And I think it was such a, a monumental um a monumental experience for the community, the craniofacial community, because it's like, we've never had a presentation in Hollywood. And now that that figure is there, it's just like, it opens the door for so many stories to come forward. And just for people to know that, hey, there are people like this, everyday people who have everyday lives, and that they're here, and they have, they have stories that are worth telling. I know, I, I get really excited about the idea of this, of, of this changing lives, and I remember for me the first time that I ever like saw someone in public like like in the in the public eye like with Tourette syndrome and I was just like oh my goodness or for me there's this book called Quit It it's it's about Tourette syndrome and I saw it when I was like I don't know like 12 or 13 or something like that and I just remember like the second I saw it I was like oh my goodness this is a book about Tourette syndrome and <laughs> just like you know I I read it and I I honestly, if I'm not mistaken, I, I really don't remember, so I want to make sure that I put this out there. As a disclaimer, I feel like there may have even been some content in there that I was like, this isn't great for me as a kid or something. I really don't remember, but I just remember it being about Tourette's, and I was like, I'll just skip those other parts, like, because right. <laughs> I just need, I need to feel like I'm not alone. Like, I just need this right yeah, now. That's so with, with your condition, and, and, and you, you mentioned this earlier, you were saying that you know, when, when people see you, they might notice that your, you know, your jaw might not be what they were expecting. And um, I just like, I wonder, like, how is, how is that? Like, are you okay with people asking you questions or, or do people ask too many questions? Do you more so just feel like, guys, it's not a big deal? Because I'll tell you, like, when we first met, like, I really didn't think about it much. And I, I, I do think that that could be attributed to the fact of, I grew up in and out of the hospital, and so I'm. I think I'm so used to living a life that is different. Um, but for but for everyone, you know, we all have different. We're all different in a different way, and I just wonder what that's like for you. If you want people to ask, or if you'd rather they not ask, or um, honestly, as I've gotten older, I know, like when I was younger, my defense was like, um, you know, I really didn't want people to ask because it made me uncomfortable. But now I yeah. let people ask and stare. I can do a lot of stares. Let's say if I'm out in public or, you know, a lot of places I'll get someone walking by and they might do a double take or, you know, they might make a face. And sometimes people don't necessarily know what to say because they're scared that they could offend or something like that. But honestly, like, if you're just meeting me for the first time, um, I just ask that you treat me like a person, like you would meet someone else off the street. I think it's kind of rude that um, to ask personal questions like that unless I really know you. Like, I can even say some of my closest friends that I have now, they never really asked about my condition until we kind of had an established relationship where it was kind of open to say, like, okay, well, what happened and things like that. Um, so it, it really just depends on the person or um, if it comes to the point where I feel like it's something that needs to be said to kind of break the ice in the room, then I might say something. Um, I actually have a really funny story with that. Um, I used to be a substitute teacher, and I had a class full of second graders. And so going in, you know, kids are very serious, and they have no filter, absolutely none. And so, um, 
Um, Miss Dobson, what's wrong with your face? And so um, the whole class like turned around. It was like dead silent. You could hear a pin drop. And so I was like, you know, I'll just take this opportunity to kind of sit them down and let them know, you know, hey, Miss Dobson, she might look a little different and things like that. And so um, it really depends on the situation. But like I said, I, I prefer people to ask because then some people on the flip side of that, they won't ask they'll assume and then they'll stare and that can be really um that can be make me not like want to interact with you because I'm just like well you could have asked but you didn't so <laughs> don't stare yeah I don't stare. <laughs> no exactly that's my thing I'm just like I'm like just don't like just stop looking over here like yeah. <laughs> I always I always tell people I'm just like I'm like we all have stuff that makes us different sometimes for some of us it's just harder to hide right exactly. but I'm like for like for anyone that's ever stared like that's that's that would be like the problem if like if you and I like lived near each other and if I was like with you and someone was staring yeah. at you like I would I wouldn't be the, the right person because I would just be like I'd be like you know what like w let's talk about your life like right, get away go away like <laughs> just yeah I would be way too defensive yeah I'm kind of used to it the stairs I kind of I won't even pay attention but I have another friend who's actually had golden heart syndrome as well. And I was out with her, and people were staring at her. They probably were staring at us. But I've never, it really didn't dawn on me, like, this is what people are looking like when they stare at me. So I was kind of like, you know, I want to be defensive and, like, stop staring. <laughs> it's like you learn how to, like, tough it out and be strong for yourself. But when it's your friend or someone you care about, all of a sudden it's like, this is different. <laughs> it sounds like you have you have really gone through so many different elements of all of this. I mean, you've gone through the, 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 the you know, the, the being born premature and I'm sure that was overwhelming for your parents and then growing up and accepting this condition and, and being different, but really just accepting it full on and, and knowing that you're still beautiful and you can still pursue your dreams and, and get going through your surgeries and being so strong and everything. And now you're choosing to share it with other people and you're working with organizations. And can you tell like me more about your blog and, um, like uh, why you decided to start your blog? Oh yeah, so my blog is entitled Beauty with a Twist, and so um, I really chronicle a lot of my experiences um, in having a health condition, you know, chronic health condition. And so I talk about, you know, the physical side of it, um, you know, the emotional side of it, because every day is not a good day. I'll be completely honest. Every day is not a good day, and there are definitely um, challenges that I have to face um, due to my disability or my chronic health condition and so I chronicle a lot um I try to be very open you know I'm actually a writer so I feel like I'm more open in writing in my journal or my laptop than actually physically with people um and so it's kind of a chance for me to kind of pour out um my life and my day-to-day -day experiences with other people um and so yeah I know for this year I have a lot of new topics that I definitely um want to tackle and my blog and I really started doing my blog because for me um writing was always like a way of healing for me um and things that I couldn't like really process verbally or I really didn't have the person that I felt that I could really talk to um writing was always that form of me to really express myself and so um I know you have a lot of other people who feel that way too that maybe if I can't see you face to face but if you could just read the words or watch a video blog um, then we can connect that way. And it was to my surprise that, you know, I've connected with people all around the world who have 
who may not have the same condition that I do, but maybe have a chronic health condition, and we find that commonality, and we're able to be like, hey, you know, we can totally understand each other on different levels. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful for my blog because, in a way, um, I've grown with it as well. You know, as I write more and as I connect to people more, it's kind of, it's given me insight and kind of to who I am and as I grow in my process. So, um, I, yeah, I, I love my blog and I'm really excited for a lot of things. I'm actually hoping to publish something this week, hopefully, <laughs> if I can find the time to sit down and do it. Um, just really, you know, just the different experiences that we face as young adults. Even as um, a young woman, you know, being a young woman who's not only a young woman, but who's African American, who's also disabled, and you know, different facets in which you can tackle in life. So I'm really, I'm really excited. Well, I'm so excited for your blog, and you know, I, I get, I get so pumped. I, I saw something the other day about like I think it was you and your mom sharing your story yeah. um, on another platform, and I just get so excited because I, you've always had such a heart for people, and and just you know, for, for ministry as well. And so just to get to see you like in your element and really getting to like serve people and encourage people and, and reach out to people. And like you said, it's, it's reaching beyond your condition. You know, it's, it's now just about the heart of people. And, and that's, that's, that's where, it, that's where, that's where, I mean, it all matters, but like the getting to the heart of people and the heart, it's, it's really reaching what God wants us to do, which is to love God and love people. And um, it's just so exciting to see you doing that. And I'm, I'm just really proud of you and, how can people find um, your blog, Beauty with a Twist? And um, are you on any social media sites too? Yes, I am on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, you can just type my name in Yushira Dobson and I'll pop right up. Um, I do have a Facebook page entitled Beauty with a Twist. If you want to go to my direct page, my Facebook page, my personal one, Yushira Dobson. But if you just want the blog, you can go to Beauty with a Twist. Um, and then I have my blog, my actual blog website, which is rdobson at wordpress.com. Um, so I post there, I try to post bi-weekly. Um, so I have some new things coming up now. So, uh, yeah, so the blog is for everyone, like you said. Um, not just people with my specific condition, but I really believe, I entitled it even with a twist because I believe everyone has something that makes them different. But you have to use what that unique thing is about you and you have to find beauty in it. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot of new things coming up. Yeah, well, I love that. And I know that everybody that goes and checks out your blog will love it. And if anybody, you know, has any questions about your condition, because there could be, like, moms listening to this whose children are receiving a recent diagnosis and everything. And I really hope that they're able to find that community and connection. I think it'll be, I think it'll be really encouraging. So thank you so much, like, for sharing your story and just being so honest and, and open. I know that, um... And I know you. I I I believe that you're reaching more people than than you than you know. And so thank you, Rashira. You're you're a fantastic person. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share. Um, I feel like it's one of my greatest joys. It's just I feel like I always say this that I feel like my story is not really my own, but it was given to me to share with other people. So um, any chance I can kind of share my story, um, I feel like it's what I'm supposed to be doing here on this earth. So thank you. You can learn more about Rashira by checking out her blog, Beauty with a Twist. She's absolutely incredible, and I know that you'll enjoy reading her words. Also, be sure to get the movie Wonder. It comes out on DVD in February, and it's available digitally like iTunes and such at the end of January. Thanks so much for listening to the I'm a Fighter podcast. Be sure to visit imafighter.org if you'd like to share your story on this podcast in the next season. 
Thanks for listening, guys. I look forward to chatting with you on social media. You can find me at Jamie Grace H. And I'll talk to you soon.